Amen. Good to be here. Take your Bible tonight, if you would, go to 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. The flies are now in kamikaze mode. They dive bomb you and then they look at you and they don't move. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 21. <clears throat> And when you find your place, I'll have you stand real quick. We'll read the passage. It's a very short, short chapter. First Samuel chapter 21. Good to be back. Minus the rain, minus the cold weather, <laughs> minus the state of Michigan. It's good to be back. Amen. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 21. The Bible says, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. The priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under my hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there is no bread there but the shewbread. That was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. That's interesting how the Lord says that in the passage, isn't it? And his name was Doeg, not the bounty hunter, but Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto him, like, uh, and is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt uh, take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. And went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him and dance, of saying, Saul slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achash unto his servants, Lo, you see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? I, have I need of mad men that you have brought this fellow to play the madmen in my presence? Shall this fellow come in to my house? Very interesting chapter in the life of David. He has just about flipped his wig. He is, uh, as the old preacher says, succumbing to the fear of man. A very real thing. Um, Dad, why don't you ask the Lord's help in the preaching tonight? Amen. 
Amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, David is on the run, and we preached uh, as pretty good-sized detail about two weeks ago about uh, being on the run. And we uh, preached that uh, we uncovered from the Scriptures that David obviously was running from his troubles. Amen. And you and I have done the same thing. You can find passages of Scriptures in the Bible where someone's going to run from trouble. The first thing I think of is about Hagar running from Sarai there in Genesis chapter 16, and she takes off, and she's gone with the wind. And finally, when the Lord catches up, that's a joke, but when, when she catches up to the Lord, the Lord's like, where are you going? And you know how it goes. Uh, she, uh, the Lord says, you need to go back and face your problems. That's, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you need to go back and present yourself to your mistress. And uh, here David's running from his troubles, and what we're learning here is that David is very human. Yes, he is God's man, and he'll be on God's throne, and he'll be doing it God's way, and he's, uh, he's got all that stuff attached to him. But you see, there, you'll never be able to, to learn anything if God never puts you through anything. And I see David here. We looked at uh, two weeks ago that the reason David was running from his trouble is because, first of all, he's looking for answers. Remember that? Not only is he looking for answers, but he's looking for someone to agree with him. And when you have trouble, you look for someone to be on your side, looking for agreement. And then finally, the reason he was running, he was looking to alleviate the pressure that he was under. And uh, you've got to remember, Christian, that pressure will make any Christian act out of character. Out of character. It doesn't matter whether you're in a bad mood. Pressure will make you act out of character. If you generally have a docile disposition and you're just a crab... I guess there's probably some, either you need a nap or you're under pressure, amen? Uh, When you get married, there's a new type of pressure that pervades your mindset. Now, all of a sudden, you've taken a wife of you and now have a husband, and there's pressure, and pressure is real. And then you put kids into the mix there, and that's a whole other pressure. And then you uh, have the ministry pressure, that's a different thing altogether, and then you have Family pressure and all, let's just say the least, when you're under pressure, you will act out of character if you don't have that thing under God's control. So here, in 1 Samuel 21, we see David running. Uh, We gave you all those reasons he was running before, but here, as you turn the corner in 1 Samuel chapter 21, it becomes very clear, very apparent that David is running because he's afraid. David's afraid, which to me, I struggle a little bit. Uh, we, I don't know how you read the Bible. I read the Bible kind of giving everybody a, a very angelic glow about them. And every once in a while, the Lord will throw some of the dirt on people because everyone's got some dirt. And you forget that He's real and He's human. And all of His thoughts aren't like Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. I mean, He was a real man. He had trouble. He had problems. And uh, David is God's man, but uh, he gets uh, caught up in the fear of man. Uh, You know the passage of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 29, 25. The Bible says, uh, it says, uh, I wrote it down here because I knew I'd forget it. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, when you fear man, you're going to get in trouble. And the old preacher said it like this, and it's absolutely true. If a man who fears God will not fear man, and you got to get a hold of that, amen? But if you go out of here and you fear man, then you'll not fear God. 
But here's the thing, David, uh, he's God's man, and David said in 2 Samuel 2.23, he that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. So God has to teach David to fear him and not man. And that's what you and I are looking at. We're looking at the process. And can I remind everyone here, I don't care if you're, you know, 12 or 200, <laughs> you're in the process. You're not arrived yet. Even Paul said, I have not apprehended. You're not there yet. And you're in the process and God's trying to teach you and I some things. And he's got to let us go through some trouble so you can, number one, bounce off the bottom. And he, you believe he's still there to pick you up. But uh, oh, everyone deals with this thing. And here uh, in, uh, in chapter 21, I guess if you're looking for a title, I just call it running scared. David is running slap scared. And he's a young man. He's a mighty warrior. God's already helped him kill a bear, kill a lion, kill a nine and a half foot Hamite giant. Amen. He's, he's a man's man. But all of a sudden, just like that, he's scared to death. And he's, he's running scared. And Christian, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in the Christian life running scared. The fear of man. So I want you to see what this chapter uncovers and uh, I want you to notice when a man runs scared, uh, some things begin to happen as you see happen with David. First of all, here in verse 1, I want you to see when a man runs scared, it affects David's desire, and it'll affect your desire too. I notice as the Bible says, Then came David to Nob, to him like the priest, and him like was afraid at the meeting of David. Uh, David's not supposed to be there alone. <laughs> and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? You say, Why? Why, was, uh, why did it affect David's desire? Well, first of all, David's desire now is to keep running. You see, once you start running from a problem, you'll develop a precedent, you'll develop a pattern, and you'll start running from other problems. I'm not telling you that it was wrong for David to run, but I, I, I don't want to spoil too much. You know how the, the Scripture lays out. What you eventually find out is it's okay to run if God tells you to run. But if God don't tell you to go, you better stay put. And see, what David's learning right now is sometimes it's not okay to run. But see, he's got to go through it just like you and I do. And you got to learn, and you got to get knocked down, and you got to make some dumb decisions sometimes, and then you got to pay the consequences for it. But here I want you to notice this running scared it affects David's desire, and his desire was to keep running. You say, why? Well, he was running because he was scared. Back in chapter 20, verse 33, you say, why was he scared? Well, he told Jonathan that uh, the, the king was after him, and then the king threw a javelin at his best friend. <laughs> That's a good reason to run, ain't it? <laughs> you see what I mean? He wanted to run. He was scared. And uh, he, he, uh, his desire was to keep running. Not only that, but back in the previous chapter, verse 36, uh, he runs because Jonathan thought it would be a good idea to run too. There in verse 36, you know what Jonathan says? Haste, stay not. <laughs> Get your own out of here is what he's saying. And let me tell you what, if you've got a good friend in the Lord and they tell you to run, if you're not careful, you'll listen to that friend over the Lord. I'm not saying it was wrong for David to run, but I'm telling you, David's desire has changed here by 21, and he's starting to get into some trouble. And he wants to run. His desire is to run. Jonathan said, you ought to run. David's like, you're right, and he's running because he wants to run. But notice this here. <clears throat> Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, it says, he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. 
you got to be careful. Sometimes uh, you don't know what to do. Uh, the best thing to do is do nothing at all. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I just figured I, you know, was smart enough and had all the answers and anything I didn't know, for the most part, I wouldn't say it out loud, of course, you know, <laughs> but anything I didn't know probably wasn't worth knowing. And so when you see a problem and you're a, you're a man, and I'm a man, uh, you're a fixer. You think you've got the fix for it. Well, sometimes you get in the fix. <laughs> but the Bible says, he that hasteth with his own uh, feet sinneth. And uh, you heard the old saying, uh, Grandma and Grandpa, you say that haste makes, and see, David's about ready to start making some messes here. And Christian, you want to be careful that you don't let the fear of man get you all jammed up. And you start making decisions based upon what your friend thinks you should do and what you really want to do. You want to know probably why I'm going to guess here. I'm not trying to be too difficult on David here because he is God's man, right? And he's God's warrior, and he's a great fighter, and he's got great character. But uh, one of the things I think it was so easy for David to run is because he wanted to. Remember when the Lord took the disciples into the garden right before uh, uh, he was betrayed? Uh, you know, he left, he left, uh, he left uh, eight of them at the opening of the garden. And often and he just said, y'all stay here. <laughs> he didn't say it like that, but that, that's, that's what the, the passage intimates. And then he went a little further, right? And then Peter, James, and John went a little further with the Lord. Now, that's a great preaching passage right there that you should want to go a little further with Jesus Christ. But I often wonder why he left the eight there at the, at the entrance of the Gethsemane there. And I got to thinking about it. And I believe it's just because they, they didn't want to go any farther than where they were at. And a lot of times the Lord will let you do what you're doing because that's what you want to do. And so I believe David wants to run here. And, uh, and so David's desire is he's in a hurry. He wants to run. He wants to run. Why? He's afraid. Uh, uh, the old American preacher and hymn writer, Philip Brooks, lived 1835 to 1893, was noted for his poise and his quiet manner. That's something good to be noted for. <laughs> However, one day uh, one of his good friends saw him feverishly pacing like a caged lion and asked him what his trouble was. The trouble is, replied Brooks, is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Micah chapter 7, verse 7, the Bible says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. And sometimes, I don't know about you, when years gone by, it seems easier to just run after something than just wait and deal with the Lord on it and let the Lord deal with it, you in His time frame. But God will hear you if you just wait it out. But uh, when you're running scared, it affects your desire. Not only this, uh, it affected David's desire. And the next thing I see here in verse 2 is that little thing about dishonesty pops up again. So we've got David's desire, and in verse number 2, we have number 2 here, we see David's dishonesty. Uh, notice here in verse 2, the Bible says, And David said unto him like the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, <laughs> liar, <laughs> and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business, where about I send thee, liar, and what I have about I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. You liar, three times. <laughs> he lied three times in there. I don't know how you read your Bible, but usually I'm just like, 
Well, yeah, say whatever you want. You're in trouble, right? And just run like the wind. He lied right to the priest. <laughs> he, he lied to Ahimelech. <laughs> My goodness. And uh, David lies to the priest. If you go back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 5 to 8, he had already devised and sown dishonesty with Jonathan and lied to the king. You see, he's bringing people in on. He brought Jonathan in on his little a dishonest plot there. And later in uh, this chapter, chapter 21, verse 13, David will later lie to Achish. He said things. What happened? David's kind of, he's been derailed with dishonesty. I mean, he's using the situation he's in to justify less than noble character. And you've got to be careful in your Christian life. When things get bad, you don't, just don't use it as a justification to do whatever the world you want to do. You see what I mean? And uh, it's David's dishonesty. Uh, it, the interesting thing is uh, he goes, uh, David's desire, the, the first one I was talking about, was that he wanted to run and he wanted to get help from the priest. Well, let me tell you what, if you want help from somebody, let's say the priest is a type of the Lord. If you want help from the Lord, you can't go to the Lord and lie to Him about things. If you want help as a Christian, you got to go to the Lord and you got to be like, you know my heart. And over there in Ezekiel chapter 14, you know how the Lord answers prayer? He answers your prayers, the Bible says, according to the multitude of the idols that are set up in your heart. And if you go to the Lord and you have an ulterior motive and you have a less than honorable motive, the Lord's going to answer your prayer according to how that thing's set up in your heart. And you got to be careful about that thing. I see David's design. If you want to get help, then you're going to have to get honest with the Lord. And this thing about dishonesty, I know David's a good man, but he's still human. And right now he's got a problem with his lion. And he's going to have to get that thing taken care of. And you're going to find out later it gets him in trouble, even greater trouble. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, if a man is going to be a liar, he had better have a good memory. <laughs> I'm telling you what, Christian, if you, in this life, if you plan to be a liar, but yet you really think you want help, you're going to have to remember all them lies you told. Amen. That's why the best medicine is to tell the truth. You don't have to remember nothing. <laughs> the truth is simple. It's easy. And it's naked. Amen? The naked truth. But I see David's desire, David's dishonesty. Look here in verse 3. This thing leads to David's desperation. The Bible says, Now therefore, David's talking to the priest here. Remember, he's the one that wants help. What is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in the mine hand, or what there is present. I want you to notice this thing here. David's God's man, and he disregards the Lord's provision. And he's going to the priest saying, hey, what you got? What you got for me? David's looking for a handout from the wrong person. He's disregarding the Lord's provision. And now in verse 3, David is now demanding his own deliverance. You see that? Give me. <laughs> Hold on there. <laughs> Uh, okay, you asked me, now you're demanding. You see how demanding you get when you're desperate? I'm just showing you David's desperation. In your Christian life, you know what happens when things don't go the way you want them to do? Sometimes you get desperate. And sometimes your character is out, you're, you're out of character. It's a pressure on you. 
and all of a sudden you start acting uh, the way you shouldn't act because you got a lot of pressure on you. And the next thing you know, you start demanding things you got no right to demand. But did God take care of David out in the, out in the sheep folds? I mean, when the bear come along, uh, did David have to worry about it? No, the Lord gave him supernatural power. Killed the bear. Did he have to worry about the lion? No, sure didn't. What's he worrying about eating for? This is the same David that said, you know what? I'll paraphrase it here. Uh, he says, uh, I'll read it. I was going to paraphrase it, but I won't do that now. He says in Psalm 37, he says, Yet not, have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? That's the same David. He said, what's different? He's under pressure. He's running scared. And when you run scared, you do crazy things. This is the same David in Psalm 132, 15. He says, I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Over in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus the man said this, Let this cup pass from me. But Jesus Christ the Lord, all God said in Luke chapter 23, verse 42, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. People, I believe, have wrestled with that passage for a while, and, and people struggle to understand that. Yeah, it's, to me, it's pretty simple. One passage you've got is humanity saying, hey, if this be possible, let this thing pass. And then immediately after that, nevertheless. Now, here's all God, 100% God, not my will, but thine be done. And here David, he's demanding, he's demanding this deliverance. <clears throat> but I want you to notice here in, uh, in verse 5, notice here in this uh, inner exchange with the, the priest Ahimelech, I want you to see that David reveals his true disposition. <laughs> he reveals his true disposition. So he's asking about bread, so forth and so on. The Bible says, And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days. You say, what do you mean his disposition? Well, <laughs> his line about the king's business was dishonest. But now, I don't know if you see it or not, he says, but now, priest, I'm really telling the truth. <laughs> we ain't been messing around the last three days. Of a truth. Why you got to say that? Guilty conscience, David? You see it right there? He fed him like that line of, you know, secret business, you know, so forth and so on. And I'll tell you what, I can't even tell you. And the king's business is urgent. And those are so, and, oh, oh, by the way, I'm telling the truth now. I'm not just preaching. Uh, oh, the, the men have been kept from women because we really need a meal, man. We need a biscuit. And uh, his line about the king's business was dishonest, but now David's designed to be straight and uh, be honest. But uh, he's running scared. You've got David's desire. You've got David's dishonesty. I want you to notice here uh, it leads to Doeg's detainment in verse 7. Doeg's detainment in verse 7. Bible says here in verse 7, he says, now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. And now we know later through Scripture uh, the reason, the, the ultimate reason that Doeg was detained there was to carry out the genocide except for Abiathar on the line of Eli. That was back in 1 Samuel chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6 there when the Lord said, I'm going to take him, I'm going to wipe you out there. But Doeg was detained for the Lord for that reason. But I want you to notice, you know what Doeg's name means? It means fearful. I got to thinking, birds of a feather flock together. And the old man used to say, and you fly with turkeys. <laughs> but you know what? Birds of a feather flock together. Doeg's name is exactly what David is. 
You ever uh, been in, uh, uh, some of you have uh, taught classes before, and you go in there and the bad kids just seem to gravitate towards each other. If there's two, um, if there's two bad kids in the class, they'll find each other before the break. You ever notice that? If, now, if there's two super spiritual kids, they won't find each other in 100 years, amen? But if there's two kids that have an attitude, they're best buddies before the first 10 minutes is up. I'm not saying David and Doeg became buddies, but notice that I just say birds of a feather flock together. And that fellow named Doeg, his name means fearful, and that's exactly what David was. That's exactly what David was. And uh, the devil, I want you to remember this, Christian. The devil, the devil will always have a Doeg around for you. He'll always have a Doeg around. You say, what are you talking about? If you got a problem with your whatever, if you got a problem with your mouth, uh, he'll always seem to run across people that have a problem with their mouth. You got a problem with your mind? You're going to probably find someone who's got a problem with their mind. I'm just saying there's always someone the devil's got around that's got the same problem you do. And you got to watch out for Doeg. And even if the Lord's got him there to carry out a job. But the devil always has a, a, a Doeg around. And whatever you're hung up with, you got to be careful because you're going to bump into Doeg. And uh, that's just simply Doeg's detainment here. But I want you to notice that this leads further in verse 8 and 9 to David's doubt. David's continual doubt. Remember, this whole thing is about the fear of man. And he's running scared. But look at verse 8 here. Verse 8 and 9, And David said unto him, elect, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? The first thing I see about David's doubt here is it leads to his disarmament. It leads to his disarmament. You say, what do you mean? He didn't have anything when he walked in there. Hold on now. you got to remember, this is the same David that said over in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, 48, the Lord, uh, let, go there, I'll show you the passage. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we just were there. Verse 48. Bible says in verse 47, chapter 17, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You see that? That's the same David. You see, his doubt led to his disarmament. His doubt led to his disarmament. What happened between 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 48? You stop and think about it, a nine and a half foot Hamite, or however tall he was, maybe he wasn't quite that tall, maybe he was nine foot, maybe he was three, I don't know, he was at least nine and a half if you go by that, what is it, that 18 inch cubit? That's nine and a half foot. <clears throat> but uh, what happened between 17 and 21? What happened in four chapters? I mean, he's walking up to that Philistine, uh, everything's against him. And he's like, the Lord don't save with a sword and a spear. And all of a sudden, you've got a seven-foot Jew, Saul, chasing after David. And now David's afraid? What really happened? What happened, Christian, to the fact that earlier in your Christian life, you had boldness like a lion, and now you're not very bold? you got the same God. It's doubt. And your doubt, many times, a Christian leads to disarm. It'll disarm you. And you think you got to go after something. So a doubt, it disarms you. But you know what doubt does? Not only disarms you, but it de detours you back to the past. It detours you back to the past. You see, David's in the valley right now. 
And David doesn't have the hand of God on him per se like Elijah did. And David's in a difficult spot. He's doing everything he can. So you know what he has to do? He's got to go back to his last greatest victory to try to work it up. And that doubt took him right back to what? Notice what pops up. You've got Goliath's sword. You see that? And doubt detours you back to the past, past victories, past strengths, and past mountaintops. In verse 9, sure enough, the sword of Goliath pops up. He's like, don't you have a sword or a spear? And him like, yeah, I got this big old Goliath sword. Remember this thing? You know all about that. You whack his head off. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Let me tell you what, it's good to remember what the Lord's done for you, but you can't live your Christian life on that. It might get you out in a pinch, amen, but you got to have victories for today. You can't rely on the victories of the past to get things done. You begin to doubt that God is still God. God can do what He did back then when He uh, gave you victory over that and when He delivered you from this. And all of a sudden now, you're afraid of, you're afraid of a fly dropping from a fan. You've got to go try and go back to a past victory, a past strength that you had. Well, I remember back when I read my Bible through 14 times in one summer. Oh, good. Praise the Lord. You know, praise. Wow. Whew. What's that doing for you now? Nothing. You're doubting what God can do. You're doubting half the time if you're even saved. <laughs> but doubt, it disarms you, and then doubt, it detours you back to the past. And you see the sword of Goliath pop up. But it's all because fear. Fear. You ever stop and think of the crazy things you do because you're afraid sometimes? On one summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her small son into bed, and she's about to cut off the light when he asked uh, in a trembling voice, Mommy, can you stay all night with me? Smiling, the mother gave her a war- him a warm, reassuring hug and said uh, tenderly, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed. At last it was broken by a shaken voice. The big sissy. <laughs> you can do some crazy things when you're afraid. <laughs> Two explorers were on a jungle safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumped in front of them. This is supposed to be a true story. First explorer said, keep calm. Remember what we read in the book on wild animals. If you stand perfectly still and look the lion in the eye, he will turn and run. Sure, said his companion. You read the book, and I read the book, but did that lion read the book? I'm just saying when you're afraid, you do some crazy things. You begin to doubt that God is who he said he is. You begin to doubt that God can give you victory, and God can deliver you, and God can provide for you. And God can get you through the difficult times. As we look at verse 10, I want you to see David's continual dread and dismay. Verse 10, he's now in Gath. In verse 10, the Bible says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish. You see that? And David's dread and dismay. I want you to notice that fear produces more fear. Fear never produces less fear. He's afraid in verse 10, and sure enough in verse 12, he's afraid again, just like that. 
And now he's afraid of what other people are saying. You see, Christian, when you don't have that fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ like you should and you go through some difficult times, you'll start to be afraid of what people are saying. Not only that, but you'll start to be afraid of the truth. You'll start to get upset at the preaching when right down and it gets right down to it. You're afraid of what is actually right. Fear produces more fear. Notice this in verse 12 that fear affects you spiritually. Fear affects you spiritually in verse 12. Notice where he laid the words. In verse 12, the Bible says, And David laid these words in his heart. You see that? And was sore afraid of Achish. I'm telling you what, fear affects you spiritually first. It affects you spiritually first. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You say, well, what was wrong with David's heart? You know, uh, uh, a little bit too many, uh, uh, a little bit too much cholesterol. No, I tell you what, it just got away from him. You got to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are all the issues of life. And he laid those words up in his heart, and man, he let his heart get away from him, and he was scared to death, and he was afraid of that. He was afraid of King Achish. He was afraid of all those Philistines over there. Uh, interesting enough, in Psalm chapter 27, verse 14, we sing it all the time. <clears throat> it says, wait upon the Lord, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Fear affects you spiritually first, and then in verse 13, fear can affect you, affect you mentally. It can affect you mentally. Look at verse 13, the Bible says he changes behavior. See that? He feigned himself. He feigned himself. Feign means to invent or imagine, uh, to feign an idea or concept that is not real, to pretend. That's why you hear, and uh, that's why you hear some of these people say, uh, "Perception is reality," and that's the truth. If you're afraid, guess what your reality is? It's a fearful one. Oh, it's not real. Oh, you just need to stop it. I'm telling you what. If you're afraid tonight. Of whatever it is, that is reality. That fear has not only affected you spiritually, but now it's affected you mentally. And you perceive that thing and you feign yourself. But notice what happens finally. Fear affects you spiritually, it affects you mentally, and fear affects you physically. Look at verse 13. The Bible says that David feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate. Now we're not talking like triple word score scrabble, but he's, you know... You know, scrabbled on the and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. You see that? He just went nuts. But he's doing it on purpose. Why? Scared. He's running scared. He's afraid. He's afraid. Fear affects you physically. It said the, uh, the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin so, uh, so feared for his own safety that his residence in Moscow contained eight bedrooms. <laughs> And he at random slept in a different bedroom every night. And none of the security details ever knew which bedroom he was staying in. You say, why? He's scared. You see, it affected him right here. And then it affected him here. And then it came out. It affected him physically. Some people call that thing a psychosomatic disorder. It begins to affect you internally. And then it affects you physically. And that's what fear does. But I want you to notice... There's only one cure for fear, amen? 
There's only one cure for fear, and we'll dip right into the chapter 22 and verse 1. The only cure for this fear is to leave it behind. I want you to see in 22.1, this be number 7, I want you to see David's departure. Bible said, David therefore departed thence and escaped to, his ca- uh, to the cave of Dulam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Interesting, isn't it? I want you to see David's departure. He uh, departed from a place of isolation. And in that verse, notice, they don't go thither to him until he leaves that wretched place. You see what I mean? In a place where a Christian is afraid of things he shouldn't be afraid of, y'all by yourself. Y'all by there's no fellowship. There's no family. There's no friends. You see that? It's a place of isolation. And I don't know where you're at tonight. Sometimes I've been, I've been in that place, and uh, we'll preach about Adulam next week and being in the cave and all that. And that's a tough place to be. And one of the worst things you can do when you're in the cave. Or when you're in that place where you're afraid of man, is to nurse your sorrows. That's one of the worst things you can do. It was said that General Patton was uh, given great kudos and honors of be- and was accused of being the most brave general and soldier of his time. And he said, I'll just paraphrase it. He says, y'all are crazy. I've been scared to death all my life. He said, every decision I made, my palms were sweaty. And I was afraid of the loss of life. You couldn't tell by reading books about him. But he said, uh, I tell you what I don't do. He says, I don't take counsel from my fears. That's one of the worst things you can do as a Christian. Take counsel of your own fears and nurse your own fears. You can acknowledge them. Yep, they're there. Uh, I'm fearful. I don't believe the Lord will bring me out of this. You can acknowledge it, but you better get out of it. You better leave it behind. You better get out of there. You say, why? It's a place of isolation. Let me tell you what, you might need to get alone as we'll preach in 22, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 and get some things for the Lord, but you can't stay all by yourself. You can't, Christian. You need the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ and you need the fellowship of your family and you need the fellowship of the brethren. If you're going to do something in this life for Jesus Christ, the Bible says two are better than one and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. But it's a departure from a place of isolation, and not only that, it's a departure from a place of temptation. Back in the previous chapter, he was tempted to be someone he wasn't, wasn't he? And not only that, it's a departure from a place of misrepresentation. You ever been there? You ever been in a place and just you felt like you're totally misrepresented? There Achish says, I don't need this mad fellow at my place. That's not what David intended, but that's how it ended. It's a place of misrepresentation. I'm just saying here today as we close, and and I'm done here in a second. But if you're in that place where you're fearing man, you've got to get out of it. You've got to take the next train for the coast and get out. Because you're nursing your sorrows. It's a place of isolation. It's a place of temptation. And you're going to be misrepresented the whole time you're there. But that's David, and he's running scared. And like I said... What we're learning about David is not only is he God's man, but he's God's mess. And can I encourage you tonight that if you're God's man or God's woman, you got uh, failures in your life, the mess that you are, that mess belongs to God. And he will bring you through it.
and he will work you through it. <laughs> He'll work you over, amen? But we see later as David comes out of this thing, not trying to preach ahead of ourselves, but David learns, and he's learning right now to trust the Lord and not fear men, and he's learning that it's okay to run when God says to run, but if God don't say go, you better stay put. And David was just running scared. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that's been running scared. And when you make decisions out of fear, they usually end up in disaster. Both my hands are raised in the air. And I've had to learn, and I still am learning, that it's just better to wait upon the Lord. All right, why don't you stand? We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer.